Hello, and thank you for joining. My name is Khalid Fatal. This is Survivability Podcast, and I am the publisher of Survivability News. Today's podcast is special, more special than most, because it actually falls on a special day, which is very sacred to us Americans in the United States, the 4th of July, Independence Day. And what prompted me to actually record this, and you'll be able to go on Survivability News and uh, watch the video, is a, um, a poem that was written by Frederick Douglass um, back in the 1850s. In fact, 1852, Douglass was invited to speak at a women's gathering, um, basically to, to commemorate the celebration of 4th of July, and to the shock of the audience, his poem said something totally different than just a celebration. I urge you to go on Survivability News and listen to the poem recited by James Earl Jones, because it really is to the core of what appears to be a celebratory uh, event in the United States, Independence Day, but does it really relate to all Americans, especially the slaves? And I'm going to play an excerpt at the beginning of, uh, of the poem and the way uh, Mr. Jones was invited to recite the poem. Frederick Douglass, once a slave, became a brilliant and powerful leader of the anti-slavery movement. In 1852, he was asked to speak in celebration of the 4th of July. Fellow citizens, pardon me and allow me to ask, why am I called upon to speak here today? What have I or those I represent to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? And am I therefore called upon to bring our humble offering to the national altar and to confess the benefits and express devout gratitude for the blessings resulting from your independence to us? I am not included within the pale of this glorious anniversary your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us. I just wanted to uh, pull out that short piece of Mr. Jones's recital of the poem to put it into the proper context what, um, what the poem was about and why uh, Mr. Um, uh, Mr. Douglas was somewhat offended to be thought to, to to think that he was invited to come and celebrate with those who were celebrating Independence Day. Again, I urge you to go and listen to the entire uh, poem. Ladies and gentlemen, why do you think I decided to take from my time off to relax and enjoy such grand celebration? as an American, as a proud American, and chose to actually challenge 
conventional wisdom and celebrations that really are no more than just superficial display of what we are standing for these days. So the question here is, how much has changed since Douglas's words about slavery and freedom and independence to all Americans? So let's, let's address the specifics that have changed. There have been some significant changes. Let's be, clear, let's be honest and real here. Since 1852, we now have laws that guarantee our civil liberties. But do they? We have laws that actually protect employees from uh, employers who take advantage. But do they? Ladies and gentlemen, I have many, many questions to ask on, the, on these points. But here's the fundamental point. What's at the core of slavery that has lasted for centuries, perpetrated by empires, European empires, and then the U.S. empire prior and since the Declaration of Independence? What's at the core? What's the real litmus test of slavery? Racism. The belief by certain people that they are better than others because of their skin color or their heritage or the color of the blood that runs into their veins. Sounding familiar? So ladies and gentlemen, allow me to do my civic duty as an American. Allow me to do my responsible, responsible action as a proud patriot to call out and challenge conventional thinking of what is not being represented when we celebrate on superficial, superficial, on superficial levels. So how much, have, how much advancement have we done to eradicate racism in American society? I recall the days when the Rodney King riots took place and the beatings that Rodney King suffered, this is like uh, a 92, 93, I remember this vividly, and I remember the curfews that took place in Los Angeles to minimize the impact of the revolt and the appalling, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 the level of, uh, 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 I can't describe the words, you know what I'm talking about, the outrage by people of all races as how wrong that could be. And how much did we hear about, we must eradicate racism in the police force in Los Angeles. I'm using, I'm being specific here. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that call has been repeated in police forces all over the United States. And was called, that call also has been repeated on eradicated racism from society throughout the United States in so many cities. Ladies and gentlemen, if that had been at any level successful, would we have had a George Floyd incident? Or would we have had those repeated events where black youth are killed by police officers? Or the resurrection of the white supremacists a couple of years ago, just because they felt they were better?
Ladies and gentlemen, something else, and this is not unique to the United States. The United Kingdom suffers from the same problem. Um, uh, many of you who may be, uh, who may have followed in the United Kingdom, there was a story of a, a black teenager, uh, Stephen Lawrence, who was actually murdered by uh, young white teenagers. And again, the same call came out, eradicating racism from uh, society, the police for, again, how much of that was successful? Ladies and gentlemen, when our American soldiers went to fight bravely in wars, let's look at Vietnam. When they went to fight, when black soldiers went to fight in Vietnam, this was the time when if they wanted to go and drink from a public water fountain, they were prohibited to do so because of racial laws. Remember this? Ladies and gentlemen, yes, we now have new laws. We now have new civil liberties. We are championing freedom around the world. The reality here is these laws are excuses for enslaving people on a new level of operation. So yes, and many of you may recognize what I have called in the past, we now are slaves to the, to the 21st century pharaohs. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, when employees work for a corporation for less than minimum wage, while the owners of those corporations are not only billionaires, there are that have multiple hundreds of billions. Where's the human justice in that? Guess what? They exist and they operate in laws that are protected in the United States. There are labor laws, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. How come these people have to go and take two and three jobs? Is this the freedom we're talking about? I'm going to share something else with you. And I hope many of you have stayed long to watch this, this rant. I hope it was a it's a profound and, and fundamental rant for a, good, for a good cause. About eight, nine, ten years ago, I can't remember when, I was attending a conference in Africa in the Senegal. And part of the trip was actually to take us on a tour of a, an island that used to be used, and I can't remember the name of the island, but it was an island that was used in the slave trade. Went on that tour, they took us on the boat, and I went and saw the conditions, the horrific conditions the slaves were kept in before they were put on boats or ships to be taken to the, uh, to the Americas and traded, or Britain to be traded. And I recall the guide was doing the tour and all of a sudden we embarked on a church and the guide was saying, and this is the church that uh, was built in the early 1800s. And I raised my hand and I asked the question of the brother. I said to him, um, who built this church? He said it was the slave owners, the traders, which were predominant, were white. And I said, were the slaves allowed to go into that church to worship? And his answer was no. And it's fascinating to me. I knew the answer, but I asked the question, so at least I know I'm not, uh, I'm not being biased. It's fascinating to think that those who believe they're doing God's work 
the message of Jesus of treating other humans equal to them with kindness, with respect, with humility. Those people morphed the message of Jesus. And you're speaking, you're, you're listening to a Muslims, to a Muslim who believes in the pure message of Jesus. They morphed Jesus's message to actually create a church where they can go and worship and feel good about themselves while they were treating their fellow man like pigs, like chickens, like dogs, and treated them. And if they died on the way, so what? And in the, the inhumane ways they put them in. Ladies and gentlemen, this attitude, unfortunately, is still prevalent today. There are people who truly believe they know better. And my point here is why? Why am I doing this? Unless we as Americans aspire for a far better, far more representative, uh, true freedom and democracy and the claim of independence that we preach to the world, we have no chance against any other empire, superpower, or in anything. We have been exposed. And my video here is to put it out there that unless we bring it back to the true values that what America stands for on freedom, on democracy, the true values, not the marketing labels, my dear friends, not the marketing labels of supporting freedom around the world, but, but then supporting despots and oppressors of freedom, supporting, supporting democracy in, uh, around the world and elections. And then when we don't like the elections, we then create sabotage in those countries. Ladies and gentlemen, if the United States followed McDonald's, if the United States followed McDonald's marketing strategy around the world, our foreign policy today would have resulted in, um, in, in, in people all over the world waving the American flag, not burning it. And you think, why am I saying that? I'll tell you why I'm saying that. When McDonald's discovered that people were realizing that burgers were no longer a healthy option, especially that the fact that they fry their burgers, what did McDonald's do? Overnight, salads now were on the menu, on the shelves. Instead of sodas, you now could have water, you could have juice. McDonald's adapted to the needs of the market and gave the people the choices that they needed and they, they, it allowed them to stay relevant and a global player in the fast food marketplace. Is this what we've applied as an American, as American, uh, in American foreign policy? How many wars do you think we are running today as I'm speaking to you now? Not one, not two. How many wars? Go and research it. So while we celebrate the barbecues and the 4th of July and sh sharing with each other all these wonderful niceties, as we should, I think we should be reminded that we have a lot of work to do in making sure we live up to that ideal as close as we can and not to accept the labels we are throwing at each other all is thrown at us in the name of freedom of democracy because at the core is the cancer of society democracy is 
under unprecedented threat. And as long as we allow minorities to feel they don't belong with us because somebody believes they know better, this problem will continue. On that note, I wish you a very good day wherever you are in the world. And if you are an American, I wish you a true and honorable and honest 4th of July celebration. Have a good day.